You're listening to the Counting Lights Podcast with Chris Dimity and Dan Danzy. Counting Lights Podcast where comedy and wrestling lock up. Man, <laughs> it's Counting Lights Podcast. Okay. All right. All right. For Bang, you, what, are you, what are you doing? For those of Bam? you listening, that took multiple takes for some reason. <laughs> Bam! There we go. There now we, go. we can start. All right, now hey, we can do this. We got a guest today. We got a good guest. I'm today. excited, too. Yeah, yeah. As mentioned on the Joe Rogan experience. Holy shit. Hey, you know, he doesn't want to talk about it that much. Okay. He's a modest, humble man. Oh, we're going to shove it down his throat. Now anyway. we're just going to fucking fan on him. Um, very, very funny comedian uh, out of the state of Texas. Uh, used to be a local comedian, but now, you know, I think you've earned, I think you've earned the right to be called comedian out of Texas. Because yep. you're just you're going places. Uh, initially, was going to be the producer for this podcast, but yep. then got so busy that now we have to leave it up to me, and that's why the sound quality sucks. Well, good for Tony Casillas, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. gentlemen Tony, Casillas. Tony Casillas. Can I just say it's Go an ahead. honor to be here? I went from being mentioned on the biggest podcast in the world yeah. to a podcast where the host doesn't even remember the name. No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> this is how my career is going. I'm only one beer <laughs> in, bro. This I'm only is one comedy. beer in. This is fucking, this is stand-up comedy podcasting right here. You go from like being, yeah, you met, get mentioned on the biggest podcast, and then you're in a conference room. And Tony, I don't know if you know, but, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know, but I've been hit in the head a couple times. And you've been, I've seen some of your fights, yeah. Yes. And it wasn't, it wasn't even just like a little tap, like a little, you're, you're going in there with baseball bats, with chainsaws, like yeah. you're going crazy. So, I can't play. He yeah. mentions it every podcast. Yeah, I use it as an excuse. The, the honest truth is, it's mm-hmm. probably a probably kill a lot of brain cells with fucking alcohol. Hence, hence why it took eight takes for the intro of this podcast. <laughs> Hopefully Dan will clean it up. I want him to earn his money, right? <laughs> what <Do> you have- <laughs> money? <laughs> you guys get money? Come on, kayfabe, man. Okay. Would you? Oh, now, I understand we had a we had a review on we the We did. Podcast. We had our first review for uh, the podcast, which is awesome. You wouldn't and- allow me to read it. You wanted to read so, it. So uh, you read it. Then. Okay, it says, okay. It's a, it's a five-star review. Five-star review. I love that. <laughs> uh, he spilled the beer. He spilled the beer. K-Fame. K-Fame. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to wait till he gets back to read it. I didn't even get a chance. No, no. I didn't even get a chance to read it. <laughs> So, you know, that happens all the time. Tony! This is great. I love this. It's really just a clusterfuck of a podcast. Oh, I love this already. Yeah. No, and we got to leave it in because it's best to show the the impurities of a podcast. We're going to leave a three-minute cleaning session. Yeah, that's what we're going (laughs) to do. I want the people to know what I got to go through. (laughs) Can you you imagine how I'd fuck this up if Joe Rogan was here? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Joe. (laughs) Hi, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never be famous. Oh, come on. Well, come on now. Get the wiping. We got got recording to do. Come on, buddy. Just clean up real quick. Just lay the paper. All right, so now that you're back, I will read this review. Uh, If I can get to it. Yeah, close that door. Oh, I don't know your phone's passcode. Oh, that's okay. 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 It recognizes my face. I mean, it's kind of hard not to. Okay, there you go. go. I am we're Five back. star review right here. The headline says, cool. Uh, it's from Roland, the Texas legend. It's uh, a pretty, pretty awesome name. I love this podcast. Chris Germany is so cool. Dan is lame. 
<laughs> well, I think that is right. a, a uh, what right. is that, the third or fourth con, uh, consensus of that or what? Are you trying to fire me? Is this <laughs> your way of firing you. me? Dude, I got I have to go through all these reviews from your friends, and then you're just like, you know, Dan, I think it's safe to say it's not working out. No, man, somebody's got to be the heel, Dan. Okay. Well, I didn't want to be. <laughs> this is like when Roman Reigns first came into the television. He wanted to be a baby face Who? at every... Oh, yeah, that's right. You don't watch the modern product. I'm like the Roman Reigns of this podcast. All right, here we go. What, what's your problem with Roman Reigns? Yeah, I don't, just, I don't have a problem with him. I just he just doesn't know, like, who, don't know who, who they are. No, oh. no, Roman Reigns. You know, he's trying to be a uh, good guy, and then everybody's booing him. Kind of sort of know who he is now. Yeah, yeah. but like, I mean, I just don't pay attention to the modern product. Well, you know? you're in luck, Chris, because tonight we have a Hell in the Cell match <laughs> planned between you and Roman Reigns. <laughs> I'd take that if the money was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money would be right. Actually. The problem is, is there's nobody in the house, so the house is down. Mm-hmm. And you aren't allowed to do any third-party pod- podcast. No shit. You're no not allowed shit. to do the third-party shit. Finally, I get something going, and mm-hmm. now i got to quit doing it. But, yeah, uh, so you watched Beyond the Mat before joining us on the show. But how, when did you watch wrestling, Tony? I, I would call myself... I would say I'm like a semi-pro fan, where there was a time when I was like in middle school, when I moved back from Germany, I got really into it again, like middle school era. And I, I also, in the 90s, in the when I lived in the States before I moved to Germany, like the, the late 90s, early 2000s. The I, Attitude Era. Yeah, Attitude. Mm-hmm. Like, Everybody watched during Stone the Cold. Attitude Era. Yeah, st- oh, I love Stone Cold. I they was, were putting up. Every, I love like, Stone Cold, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels were my guy. Yeah. And then when I came back, my guys were like Rey Mysterio. Fuck yeah. Uh, I, I loved, uh, what was his name? Um... He was Stephanie McMahon's husband for a while, the Italian Tess? guy. Oh, uh, no, the, the Italian, uh, Italian Stefa- guy. Uh, what was his name? Uh, she was only married to... Uh, uh, or her boyfriend. He was an Italian guy who would walk out. Stefano, it was... Uh, uh, Italian guy. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm blanking on this. What's his name? There uh, was Test, and then she left Test for Triple H and turned heel. There was Ryan Shamrock. They had a little thing with... with uh, that was a shoot. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. And then there was kind of a thing with Kurt Angle that they were playing to build up a Triple H-Kurt Angle feud. I don't remember there being an Italian guy. Got me, man. Santino Morale. Oh, Santino yeah, Morale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, didn't, I, I like just characters, like dumb yeah, yeah. character, like that. But, yeah, I haven't watched it in recent years. But I'm it's the kind best. of guy, I'm the kind of guy <laughs> if, like, I'm in a city... And the WWE's in town and I have the cash, I'll go see it. Yeah, we've been to a Raw event yeah, together. Yeah. So That's it's cool. I still love it. It's just like I can't. I don't we went to the worst Raw ever. I wouldn't say it's the worst. Yeah, I thought it was pretty bad. It's the worst Raw I Was it the last one you guys went to or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was last year? Yeah, last yeah. Summer? Braun Strowman. It started off really cool. Braun Strowman, like, gored Bobby Lashley through the entrance set. And this was like Paul Heyman's first night in charge of Raw. Okay. But then the rest Calling of it Calling the was, shots. Yeah, but the rest of right. it was just trash. Yeah, but I love the one thing I loved about going to that experience with Dan oh God. was up until then he's like, Isn't this fucking amazing? We're oh, going to WWE. Yeah. This is so cool. Because <laughs> it's and then, and then right when we got there, he was just like, You know what? I'm gonna be a hater on the WWE. Mm-hmm. So the whole time he's like, Fuck this system. Fuck this. <laughs> 
And I'm like, then why did you make me spend 150 bucks? Like, we're going to hate on it. So, Dan, who all went? You and Tony? Uh, and me, Tony, Mercedes, Sal. Uh, Brandon Alejos. Brandon Alejos. Oh, yeah, okay. And it was like a whole yet. hyenas crew. Just That's going. cool. I didn't, Chris, get a, I didn't get a fucking invite. Yeah. Fuckers. Well, <laughs> Look at you both. You're like. <laughs> one, I mean, we didn't know if that'd be a traumatic thing for you. Like, you know, we don't want to be hanging out with you. In the well, book. I definitely wouldn't we, have paid for a ticket. I uh, knocked on the back door. No, um, but like I had this. Did they let you in? <laughs> oh, yeah. I have this vision. Almost definitely. I have this vision of like us at Raw with you and like someone's won a match and you know getting cheered for and we look over at you and there's just a tear coming down your eye like a fucking this could have been me. You know it's funny uh, when it comes to like I don't know if I I should be telling you guys this or not but uh, then do it. So uh, yeah man it's funny because uh, when you know when you walk into an arena like that um, act like you're fucking supposed to be there. And almost yeah. nobody says anything to you. Mm-hmm. Especially because you look like... Right. You I know. mean, I couldn't. Like, like that. And if, you know, if their security <laughs> says, you know, it's like, I'm one of the boys. Fuck you. Get out of my wife or whoop your ass. Yeah. And that and that, hap- that works. Yeah. Especially, like, if you're, especially if you're carrying a bag. Yeah. You know, mm. like, you know. Especially because the WWE has so many people on the roster. Well, and, yeah. you know, also, cool. Fuck, I could be a truck driver. Yeah. Right? So, who the fuck knows? Right? That's, that's, I that's feel cool. y'all could get away with that, but I couldn't. Like, I could try. They'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Dan, so, grab your broom. We don't have a horn swoggle <laughs> segment tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I love the horn swoggle. Yeah. Grab, grab your broom. Put on one of those orange vests. Mm-hmm. Throw the broom over your shoulder. Just go. Yeah. That's what I realized, I though. I feel like you're leading me to a prosecution. <laughs> <laughs> I go, I had nothing to do with it. No, I'm not, man... No, fans are getting... Don't give people any ideas. Uh, there was that dude that attacked Bret Hart during the Hall of Fame. You ever see that shit? Uh, not really. You didn't see it? No. Oh, my God. So, he they're doing the Hart Foundation and I remember hearing shit? something about it. Some dude in a Rastafarian... White. White dude, by the way. Rastafarian dreadlocks. Fake, of course. Runs in there and fucking tackles Bret Hart, who's had a stroke. I mean, we can go on right. for days about right. Bret Hart's medical problems. And Ronda Rousey's boyfriend is the first one to hit the ring. And then this dude just gets pummeled for 20 minutes, man. 20 minutes, all these wrestlers just start taking shots. Because it's like the one person you want to attack. Yeah, now there's a neon sign that says, please hit me. Yeah. uh, uh, One member of the Revival, when they were still in WWF, there's a video of him just like, as they're taking the fan away... He just like walks up, gets his shot, and oh, shit. walks out, walks back to his seat, fucking fixing his coat and shit. That's great. It but happens, yeah. man. It's happened. It's happened to me. Where, a, oh, oh, because I saw that in the the Beyond the Lights when they were talking. When they were talking uh, beyond, beyond the, the mat, mat, I mean right. beyond the mat, where they're ta- uh, showing that All Star Wrestling Club, mm-hmm. and they, they said sometimes. It, they were a little too close to the fans where they're in the in the, the balcony fighting right. each other and then that fan spits on the wrestler right. and he's yeah. just like, oh, spit on me again. Right. Has that happened to you before? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we of course. Now, Kid and I's Team Extreme, that was kind of our gimmick was to go out in the crowd. Beat up the fans. No, to go out in the crowd. <laughs> you know, like people would, yeah. they would part, the sea would part. Mm-hmm. When you walked through the crowd, two wrestlers, the sea would part. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially I remember one time we're in, uh, God, somewhere in Louisiana. Um, I already know. God, Pac-Man or somewhere. Anyway, 
So it's Kit, it's Kit and I against the public enemy. Mm-hmm. Fucking, fucking and, awesome. Yeah. And so uh, that's, I mean, it literally like nothing ended up in the ring except the finish. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like we. So it started like out. It started on the outside of the ring and I just that match went YouTube. completely and totally all over the building. And Public Enemy were like the first tag team. They were like way before the Dudleys of using tables. Like Public Enemy was known for the tables. Oh, that's shit. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge. Yeah, Johnny Grunge mm-hmm. and Rocco Rock. God rest both their souls. God, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> both of them oh, are dead. Shit. Yeah. Rocco died right after we wrestled him. Yeah. Ah. Oh. And then, uh, and then uh, Johnny Grunge uh, died in his sleep. What was that like? Two thousand and I don't remember the dates really, yeah. but uh, it was like mid two thousand. Yeah, boy, I tell you what, we had a crowd for that uh, Louisiana show. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we packed them in. In fact, uh, Rocco Rock had to fly home. His mom was sick. Oh no shit! And uh, so we were supposed to be the main event. They brought us out before the intermission. Made, wow. And made, so he get back, he catch a plane. They just made the announcement that they're fighting in the back. There's nothing we can do. We got to get them in the ring now, nice. or this is not going to happen. That's cool. That's yeah. Nice and so so the just, audience was yeah. excited. So they made the announcements, and we just came out swinging. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But like one of the fans got a little bit too. Well, involved. they you know it didn't happen that night. Yeah. But it can always happen, and yeah. especially like some people don't understand like that. That was the era. The late 90s was the era of, you know, the fighting in the crowd. And, of course, you know, who started it? Bruiser Brody was a big one that started him and Abdullah Butcher. And uh, so, you know, they would normally get out of the way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were always throwing guys. Like, we would, I would pick a guy up by the head, do this, wave my hand, like, get out of the way so people would clear it out and then just throw them into all the chairs that everybody just got up from. What? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. because it's that fun thing about being close to the danger, but not being that close yeah, to the not, danger. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know. I have a theory that like ECW back in the 90s, like, you know, mid 90s, when ECW was coming up, I think that would like their fan interaction was encouraged because those fucking fans in Philly well, were crazy. And, uh, and, I, and I think uh, probably the start of ECW probably is what gave Gary Hart the idea yeah. of putting Kit and I together as a, as a tag team yeah. and calling this team extreme because he saw what they were doing there in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and he, you know, like he'd never seen anything like it before. Like a whole company revolved around that type of work. Mm -hmm. And of course the difference is, and I I think it's the, I think it's the advantage that, uh, that ECW had is that if you noticed all of the ECW's matches always started in the ring Mm -hmm. and a lot of them took place in the ring all the time because what we did was we wrestled regular matches as Team Extreme with the same rules. Yeah. And that way, when you cheated, it meant something. Yeah. So the problem that ECW ran into with the Extreme rules, anything It never goes, became, it, it never changed up. It well, never you was, don't have anything for the referee to do. Yeah. The, uh, all the rules yeah. were out the door. Also, probably harder to get heels over. Like the heels would have to. Yeah, the point the is, is that now everybody can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's what that's the old adage of what are they going to do? Bring a shotgun out and shoot somebody? <laughs> 
Honestly, there were times where I watched ECW and I thought that was going to happen. New Jack specifically. I thought uh, New Jack was going to bring well, a gun out. Well, that's, that's a whole different story. He and did I think stab a dude. Yeah, yeah. He, he stabbed a dude? Oh, dude, you got to watch. You almost any almost killed a dude throwing him off a scaffold. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. Because yeah, he's in uh, Beyond the Map for a second. Yes. And he's, yeah. he shows his like fingers like, oh, I actually hit motherfuckers. Right. Well, so he was a guy you didn't want to wrestle. Well, he yeah. was, listen, um, I think uh, I think Jack probably worked with who he wanted to work with. Yeah. But if he didn't respect you, he, you know, he wouldn't get it. He wouldn't get a, He didn't give a shit what he did mm-hmm. to you, you know. But wow. the, the problem is, is that. When you're a guy like that, of course, he was also high on cocaine 99% of the time. <laughs> no, he was. Like, that's like you, you watch this Vice documentary about him, and he admits, like, oh, yeah, like every incident they talk about with him, he's like, yeah, I was doing a lot of cocaine, and this kid disrespected me, so I stabbed him. But the point is, is that <laughs> when you're a dude like that, and that's your reputation in the ring, there's going to be a point where you, there's, where you come across some motherfuckers just a little tougher than you are, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's that's that's the idea of of working, so that everybody survives enough to go to the next town, yeah, and work again. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if it was a shoot every night, who knows how big your roster would be, right? <laughs> yeah, like you'd Absolutely. be losing guys left and right. Yeah, because you know you you don't fucking some guys will do whatever it takes to win a match. Mm-hmm. You know, but. So, so you would say you're you were kind of like an extreme wrestler in that aspect, like because you were part of like Team Extreme. So here, here was here was what was different from us yeah. is that we could wrestle. Like a lot of those guys can't wrestle. That's all they can do is do yeah. that extreme over the top shit. Your yeah. career went through kind of like a reinvention because you can watch early '90s videos of Chris Germany, and you know you're wrestling Shawn Michaels. You got the little WWF type of costume, and it's a, and then some point mid '90s. I love that he called it a costume. <laughs> well, I mean, because back in the early '90s, bro, WWF. Yeah, those but were we. Fucking, yeah, we. I know, but we. Didn't work. I would call them wrestling. Okay. Like now, I'd call it tights wrestling. and boots. Yeah, I'd call it wrestling attire, tights okay, and right. boots. Tights but and early boots. WWF, someone showing up as the fucking well, rooster. Come well, on now, well, like early, that's <laughs> early to you, late for me. But somewhere around the mid '90s to the late '90s, that's mm-hmm. when like your gimmick and yeah, you know, there's always changed. a progression with a wrestler. I mean, you know, just like in comedy. Here's the crossover again with the Counting Lights podcast is that you got to find your voice. Mm-hmm. You got to find out who you are before you can become who the crowd needs you to be. Yeah. And that's what it took for me. Like, I went through a lot of incarnations of where I thought I was going to go yeah. and grabbed at a lot of straws to try and find some sort of an angle to get booked. Yeah. And, you know, what it just came down to what, what really changed us yeah. is that, like, I went to work uh, to the sport at the Sportatorium for Gary Hart the last time that he ran it, and I, I went in and did a tryout in front of a crowd, opening match, jerked the curtain, right? Mm-hmm. And he gave me another good wrestler, and we went a 15-minute Broadway. You know what that is? No. That time limit draw. Oh, okay. Okay? So... 
You I, got, thought, I thought it was like y'all bowed at the end of the match. No. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just did broke out, broke they did lay Miz. <laughs> yeah, bro, broke out in Oklahoma. So Chris went on stage and he goes, "I dream a dream, my wife worth living." <laughs> and then at the end of the match, <laughs> at the end of the, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say at the end of the match we did rum tum tum. <laughs> Please, sir, I want some more. Audience throwing roses. Aren't you surprised I know all those show tune references? Not surprised. Not. I find every wrestler has like a nerdy quality that, that people would. A little bit, a little bit. Know? It kind of it showed. Okay, but no, continue your story. So it was a fifteen minute so Broadway. Fifteen minute Broadway. Yeah, and uh, and which means basically you have to tell a story. Mm-hmm. In addition, we've talked about this over and over again. You probably don't understand it, but there's a formula for a wrestling match. Okay, you shine the baby face. The heel gets his heat. Then the baby face gets a comeback. Yeah. Then you go into a finish. Okay. Yeah. Well, now one of those aspects is taken away because we're doing a 15 minute Broadway. There is no finish. Wow. Okay. See what I'm saying? So we got to go 15 minutes and run that time out. And you better be looking at that time that. That uh, the timekeeper going, you better be fucking on mm-hmm. par because by the 15 minutes in the last, say, five minutes of the match, we're killing ourselves. Yeah. Because we're trying to make the people think that who's going to win it? Like, yeah. who's going to win this match? And we're constantly doing, like, Gary took us in and he goes up, listen, my boy, I want to let you know I'm queer for false finishes, mm-hmm. which means if you're at the end of the match when you go in to, 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 to finish the time limit. Yeah. You're all, both of you are getting up and doing, are trying to do finishes. Oh, so, okay. So one guy may get a small package. Yeah. One, two, kick out. Yeah. Get up, do another finish. Okay. One, O'Connor two. roll into the, into the one, two. It goes back and forth. Like right, the back, back and, and forth. forth. Yeah, right. yeah. So for the last five minutes, we're killing ourselves. Wow. Like we're giving it all we got to do these false finishes, and, yeah. then, and then and then the crowd goes and they go, okay, ten, nine, eight, seven, six, and we're doing false finishes while they're doing it to see if one of us can w- win the match, right? Yeah, small package, you know, roll it from behind, you know, all these quick things that you know, and then they go ding, 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 and we're both laying there exhausted, right? Wow. So, so Gary takes me to the back and he goes. I'm really impressed with your work," he said. Uh, "Here you do a good German gimmick." So, when I went to when I was working for Chris Adams, Chris Adams bugged me to do a German gimmick, like an evil German evil, gimmick. Right okay. Now. So I came out, and did it with the, the pit helmet and the, you know, the whole the monocle in the eye and the crop <laughs> tucked under my arm. That yeah, whole yeah. Thing. Is that German or the Monopoly guy? That's so, uh, <laughs> so we, uh, so I did that. Yeah. And uh, got over real good with, like, he put me in a lot of main events with that gimmick. And then he came up with this idea, saw Kit and I tag team, and uh, with another guy named Jimmy James. Yeah. And he, what he want, what his idea was to put a team together to use the free bird rule. You know what the free bird rule is? No. Okay. You know who the free birds are? Yeah. Okay. So the free bird rule is there's three guys in a team. You never know what two guys you're gonna you're gonna face in a tag team match. Mm-hmm. So it might be 
me and Kit. It might be Kit and Jimmy. It might be me and Jimmy. See, you don't know the combination. So and that's why it was the Freebird the rule. Titles, then it's always they're a team. Anyone in that team can defend those mm-hmm. tag titles. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like the faction. It was the actual idea. It was the reason that the guys in the NWO wanted a third guy. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted to use the Freebird rule. Oh, okay. So it was the whole reason that when Hall and Nash came in for the NWO gimmick, that they wanted they wanted the third guy. Wow. And then the NWO became thirty guys. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> this is like, all right, you guys are out of ideas. Right. Brought in Virgil so, and shit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so when so when uh, so when Gary put us together, that was the idea. Was we're we're all going to walk down, you know. Uh, Carrying a bunch of fucking gimmicks to the ring, and when when the ref's back's turned, you use the gimmicks. Yeah, you know. So, but remember, those gimmicks don't mean anything if the, unless there are rules on a match, and that's what ECW ran into—that they were all ruleless matches. Yeah, and so anybody could cheat anytime they wanted to. But I think they made up for it in like the promos and like the segments. Well, Heyman was fucking running it. Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 Raven Sandman storyline, and they got Sandman's like son involved, and they had like Raven convert Sandman's son, like that. Like there were some storylines on ECW that were just fucking. Yeah, you know, I didn't. I I wasn't really involved in watching it because I had my own shit going on. Yeah, yeah, your own shit going on. uh, you but know, I'm sure you'd hear stories. Too, like, yeah, and and you know, I know guys that would watch it a little bit and kind of get some ideas for finishes. I mean. There's no new ideas in wrestling, yeah. right? So we're just stealing each other's shit, which unlike comedy, we can't do that, right? I mean, you can get away with it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily there, Chris. Because so. <laughs> there was uh, one thing in uh, Beyond the Mat where those two uh, amateur wrestlers are auditioning, uh-huh. and they're in the back room, and like Vince McMahon's watching the tape, right? and he just goes, oh, I've never seen a finish like that. And you could just see in his head, like, oh, I'm going to take that. Oh, oh yeah, right. the, the, sure. the Emerald uh, Fusion move. Yeah, you know, yeah, where he, he, he was like, because those guys never got another audition. Right. But in his head, he's like, send me that tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so he could. Well, they did. They would sign Michael Modest. Uh, that was one of the guys that was uh, auditioning. But it was just years later, but he was actually a part of the Spirit Squad. So you watched it, uh, what, you watch on Netflix or yeah, something? Yeah, two days ago. Right. It was just on, and I was like, I was like, huh, I'm coming on a wrestling podcast. Yeah, cool. Why not? And it was really great. And I have a question. So, was there ever a gimmick that, like, a promoter or something, like, pitched to you? Right. Or a character where you're like, this is the dumbest idea? Because there was that one wrestler in the documentary, right. Puke, where he was oh, a former draws. NFL, he was a former NFL player. Okay. And he could... So, I, rest, I wrestled draws. Yeah. 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 And then he has an interview with Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon. and he's like, he's, like, he's got to puke. He's yeah, going to be puke. Well, that was his, that was his, you know, that was... Uh, Draw, uh, Drawsdale was a Dr- Darren Drawsdale. Darren Drawsdale. Yeah. Do you, that was did, his that was his gimmick in college. Mm-hmm. When, he was, that, when he was playing football, he would get so nervous that he would puke on the field. Yeah, yeah. actually, like suspended but would, him from the NFL. Would you? Would you? Would you? Because do you have to go with the idea that the promoter comes Here, up with? Okay, or? so here's here um, you do when it's Vince. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's uh, once they give you an area to go to go to. Like, it's almost as if then it's up to you to create that actual character. Mm-hmm. Because remember, we were talking about trying to find your voice. And commonly, we have to find our voice, right? Before we get that constant rhythm while we're not stealing other people's rhythm, right? Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, you probably have favorite comedians. When you started out, you are probably 
in your head when you wrote, you were writing in their voice, you know? Yeah. So it's the exact same thing. You got to find in the wrestling business, you got to find the, the, how you feel about a certain character or um, angle that they want you to go and you make it your own. We always used to say, if you put a little bit of truth in it, mm-hmm. like if you have a, if you have a feud with somebody in the wrestling business and they put you in an angle, if you know a little bit about their personal life and when you start doing interviews, you start putting a little bit of that personal stuff in there and they're wow. really pissed yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it really pisses them off. Yeah. Like uh, it, it would, if you know, it brings emotion into it, mm-hmm. you know? And so those interviews are better and maybe that feud's a little bit more solid, you know? Yeah. yeah. So and it, it's it, the best example in the world is Steve Austin. Yeah. Because they brought him in as the ringmaster. He knew it was a shit gimmick. Mm-hmm. He knew it was bullshit. He was trying to get his foot in the door. Yeah. Okay. And so once he got his foot in the door and Vince liked him, then he had the ability to kind of pitch these other ideas. Okay. So See it's like, it's kind of like give and take. Like Right. So well, uh, here's another great example. Look at Mick Foley. They brought Mick Foley. He did not want, Vince did not want to hire Mick, Mick Foley at all. Yeah, he, he didn't. He wanted a car, and they sure as hell didn't want him as Cactus Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm Why saying? Why not? Because he thought it was the, a dirty Southern gimmick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And Cactus Jack is from fucking Long Island, New York. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Fucking Mick Foley's from Long Island, New York. So, um, so he brought him in and thought up this fucking gimmick, this mankind gimmick, where he goes, "I don't even want to see his face. Mm-hmm. Cover his fucking face." Mm-hmm. They give him that fucking ugly mask. What happens? He gets he gets on tour. He starts doing what Vince wants him to. Vince falls in love with him. Yeah, because he and became one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, and then he started doing like they. He had like Mick had so many incarnations of Mick Foley. He had the mankind gimmick. He had. The, we were there when he did the brother love gimmick. Dude oh love. really? Dude yeah, he, love. Yeah, dude love. Sorry, yeah, yeah. dude yeah, love yeah. gimmick. He uh he borrowed Jimmy James, which is the third member of Team Extreme. He borrowed his white boots to do the original <laughs> uh, original entrance. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was like uh, you know you see those incarnations, you get the ability to open up a little bit, mm-hmm. and you know I don't. You guys can go back and look. You see how rigid Shawn Michaels was when he first did mm-hmm. the Heartbreak Kid gimmick. Yeah. He didn't really know where it was going to go. But what happened? He started getting some, you know, a push. And the boy and Vince liked it and started pushing him a little bit more. And he just, you know, things just open up. And then you kind of start to have a little freedom to do what you want to. Yeah. Once now, he trusts you. Yeah. See, like, I don't know it. I don't know it in that on that level, but I see it. Because the same thing happens at smaller levels. Like my promoter here in Dallas uh, for the NWA Southwest Mm -hmm. that I wrestled for, and Kit and I came in as Team Extreme, and he originally didn't want to use us as a team. Well, what happens? We come, we start doing singles matches, and he needs a tag team one night. We tag team. Fucking, we blow him out of the water. Guess what? Now we're in with him. Yeah. Okay. Because he sees the money you now, guys yeah, bring. Well, he sees, you know, sees what the crowd likes. Mm-hmm. He sees what can draw. He wants to use us now. Now, eventually, eventually, Kit and I are booking the shows. Yeah. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're calling what, you know, we're, we got what wrestlers are wrestling on those shows, and we're calling finishes for them. 
you know, so it just kind of, you know, it's very similar to the, to the comedy industry. Right? Yeah. It's, it's where you kind of like, as an MC, you have to be clean. You have to follow those restrictions right. and they start liking you. Then like, if you're like, for me, for instance, like I got to be dirty a little bit towards the end of my MC career mm-hmm. because uh, the jokes worked. So right. it was like, okay, if it works, then fine. Right. Like, cause I remember once I did, uh, I, I just written my pre cum baby joke and, um, it's on my Instagram, so if you follow me at Comedian Tony Casillas, you can probably find a, it. Hopefully there's not a picture with it. No, no. <laughs> uh, no but uh, I, I wrote that bit, and I pitched it to Butch Lord, who was booking MCs. I was like, can right. I do this joke as an MC? He goes, no. And, uh, but I'd gotten it so good where it was ending with an applause break. Real tight. Every show. So one day it was uh, I was hosting, sold out crowd, and I said, screw it. You did it? And I closed on it. And applause break. And Randy comes up to me and he goes, the owner of Hyenas, and goes, man, I never thought I'd have a, he goes, I never thought I'd have a opener do a pre-cum baby bit. <laughs> and I just go, I, I cannot do it for the late show. And he just goes, it got an applause break, Casillas. And he just walked away. <laughs> so yeah. it's one of those things where you're like, if it, if it does well. You can kind of get away with it. Yeah, man. You know, I mean, if it if it pops, that's the same thing in wrestling. Yeah, why are you going to tell them to stop? Right. Why would you Why would you stop something something that gets a, a gets, gets a crowd to pop every time? You're braver than I am. What I would do when I was an MC is I would like I would I would just be like, okay, I can't say these words, so I'm gonna just I'm gonna do the dark material, but I'm gonna write around the all words. That. Yeah. So like my closer it was like you know implying that a kid was going to die of cancer, but I make it a sweet story about charity and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wrote around that to where they couldn't tell me anything. I should have just done what you, I should have just taken your pre-cum baby joke. <laughs> so I've, I, what I realized is it, watching that documentary and just watching some other stuff is wrestling and stand-up comedy really Dude, 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 it's just just the fucking like parallel. It's it's so ridiculous where from like the aspect of shitty promoters where you show up. Oh, I might get paid 15, 20 dollars. Like my favorite. It was the the last Terry Funk fight. And uh, he's in an argument with his friend because he didn't get to he's not getting to wrestle him for his last match. But he's like, oh, I didn't even get asked to be the ref. And he's like, I'll let you be the ref. And he goes, "Uh, am I still going to get my 25 bucks? And they (laughs) laugh about it. They're like, so I could pay for my my plane flight. Or or gas home. Yeah, yeah. And we've been in that situation Mm -hmm. where you're just like, you drive six hours to do a gig. And you're like, well, I got $15. So you see, Tony, you see how like I see this to me in the comedy business since I've been doing this the last few years. Like to me, it's almost as if I'm doing this over again. You know what I'm saying? Like, holy shit. I paid these dues before. You know what I'm saying? Like I see it and it's like, okay, I know exactly what's happening. So... Also, like wrestling and comedy, like uh, it's all about. And this is what I noticed when we were putting on that show. Yeah. And you guys were uh, discussing like finishes and all that stuff. It's really we're trying to build a show with comedy, with wrestling, off of crowd psychology. Where like that's exactly what it is. Comedy is just we work on we facilitate one emotion, which is just laughter, humor, laughter, all that. Wrestling, there is so many emotions you're trying to bring out. Like, I didn't realize, like, oh, we need the face to lose this match. 
so that the face, when the face in the next match wins, it has a bigger impact because they're still disappointed from that last face losing. Which, well, just it like is. Shit it's, like that. it's a way of, of manipulating a crowd, and you see, and we'll get back to this comedy thing because it, it, they do. They're like, they're so like next to each mm-hmm. other, like they're they're right there. And you watch if you watch that documentary with any kind of a focus leaning towards comedy, you saw it all happening. In in you know in that in that no I was I was watching it in that in that light where it's like man it's just like there are moments where of course like it's the physical aspect that comedy doesn't have but in 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 a way it is because when you're on the road as a comic you're living kind of unhealthy especially in the beginning stage because you're only making five hundred bucks a weekend. And then you're like, fuck, okay, now I have to pay for a hotel. That's another two fifty. Right. So you have two hundred fifty dollars gas. gas. So it's like I can't eat healthy because that's more right. expensive. So your 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 body's taking a you toll. Gotta, you gotta you know? either have drinks or be stoned. stoned yeah, 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 yeah. You're smoking. Going to Whataburger <laughs> at like <laughs> two in the morning. So on that aspect, it's it's the same. But what what blew my mind really is how emotional wrestlers are. Yeah. Like my favorite angle You're was very what, was the McFoley one, and it's like I McFoley was one of my guys again right. when I watched, and I had the WWE video games. I would play him because he was such a cool character, like Mister Sacco. Right. It just so it was it was absurd. It was absurd. It was weird, but he committed. Yeah, he committed, and just to see this guy. How sweet he was off stage. Like when when those two wrestlers auditioned for their first match at right. that huge event, he came up to the one guy and he goes, "Hey man, it's crazy, right?" And he goes, "I can't believe I'm out there." And he goes, "Man, just keep at it. Hope to see you around." Like he didn't have to do that. Right. Like Mick Foley was the biggest right. guy in wrestling at the time, you could say, and he came up to the younger dogs, and that reminded me of when I started. And you have your first, you have your first set, and like. An older comic comes up to you and goes, "Hey man, that hey one man, that's kind of funny. I like he, that he, bit you did this." Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. talking, you're talking it, about when I came up to you and I was like, "That was good." It was Lawrence, but you could oh, put okay. Dan's man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's fine. It's, but it's it's cool. Yep, they are. They, I'm telling you, they, does everybody just think I'm lame? This is <laughs> Dan's gonna get a complex. Hey guys, Dan here. This concludes part one with our episode with Tony Casillas. and part two, he's going to tell us about what it was like working with Ron Wright and Joe Rogan. And of course, we're going to talk more comedy and we're going to talk more wrestling. Thank you guys so much for listening to Counting Lights Podcast. Find us on countinglightspodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. Find us on Twitter at counting underscore lights. And don't forget to come back Friday and listen to part two of our episode with Tony Casillas. This is Counting Lights Podcast, where comedy and wrestling... Lock up!